Yes, he has made me glad. 
for he has made me glad. For he has made me glad, yes, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. And I will enter his gate with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. And I will say,
Brother Peter, Coffee, and the family are not with us sick as well. So we just want to remember them. And uh, we just want to continue to remember the Florians as well. And uh, the Cross family too with the, the newborn and uh, not feeling well. So we just want to remember them. And we have a couple people who are traveling, not able to be with us. Uh, Brother Ben is traveling on his way back home uh, for a work visit. And also my dad, Brother Keith, is away traveling tonight as well. And also I have a prayer request here. Uh, just continue to remember uh, Sister Mary Smith and uh, Brother Richard Smith as well. So we just want to remember them. And, uh, I know we all have still unspoken prayer requests. So just uh, by the lifting of our hands, the Lord knows that need and uh, what needs to be done for it. So, Lovely Lord Jesus, come before you, Father. And by faith, Lord, we lay our hands upon the Lamb of God. Lord, we ask for forgiveness for those things we've done, Lord, that displeased you. Father, we're thankful that tonight we have a place that we can go to. And we can ask for forgiveness. We can ask for mercy. We can receive grace. Father, without that, where would we be tonight, Lord Jesus? And so we approach you, Father, reverently through that blood, Lord Jesus. And we pray you'd hear these prayers, Father, through that blood. Lord, you've heard the ones that are sick, those that are afflicted in body. We pray that you would come by their side, give them a healing touch. Lord, those homes that brought new life into the world, Father, be there with them, Lord Jesus. Father, those that are traveling, may your angels be encamped about them. Bring them to their destination safely and bring them home, Father, safely. Lord, we think of the Smiths. We ask that you would go there tonight and visit them in their room, Lord, and just be with them, Father, and meet their needs, Lord. Lord, tonight we ask that you would come. And when the man gets behind this pulpit and he speaks their words of life, Lord, we pray your spirit would come right behind it and they would cut the carnal ties that keep us far from you, Lord Jesus. Those things, Lord, that get in our way from receiving more of you, Lord. And Father, we ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may have your seats. We'll keep it in the same key here. I don't have any specials this evening. Uh, let's sing that song, uh, He Touched Me. So shackled by a heavy
we'll go ahead and change the order of our service. If I could have the ushers come forward at this time. Amen. Brother Tom, if you would just pray. Let's put it in the key of G. So fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this
one more time. Close your eyes and just make it your prayer tonight. He's my Lord. opportunity we have to be able to gather in your house with your people, Lord. And now we pray that you would have your way among us, that, Lord, you would speak to our hearts, and we just reserve this little space of time for you now, that you might come, Lord, and instruct us and challenge us, Lord, in the way that uh, we should go. Father God, we know that we're living at the end of something and the birthing of something great, and we just want to be prepared, Lord, and we want to know exactly where we should place our foot. And Lord Jesus, you promised that you would never leave us nor forsake us. And so we give you this little session, Lord. It could be, Lord, a, a time when you deal with a specific heart, Lord, and deal with a question, deal with an issue. But Lord, you know all about it because you know the hearts of your people. Lord, for those who are sick, and there's many that are away tonight, Lord, and traveling and some that are not well, we commit them into your hands now and pray that your Holy Spirit would be present in their lives. And we'll give you thanks and praise because we can always have a place to turn. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's take your Bible. Let's go to uh, the earth and a new earth, number nine. And I apologize because that's an old screen. So let's go here. And we're going to go to the book of Revelation, if you don't mind. And we're going to pick up a little piece there. Appreciate all of you being here today. We have a number of folks that are not here, but we are glad to have Sister Tracy Eisenhower with us. That's a real treat. I didn't. <laughs> uh, good to see you, Sister Tracy. Good to have you here. And uh, for all of you that are with us tonight, Revelation chapter 16, we'd like to read uh, three or four verses here, beginning at verse 1, and then we'll jump to 13. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. Now this is a portion that is not intended for the bride. And everybody should say, Thank you, Jesus. I'll be in a better place. And uh, this is a, a, a judgment cycle that the world enters into. And uh, God is taking vengeance here. The, the woes and the vials here that are poured out are nothing pleasant, as you read on down through the chapter. In verse 13, And I saw three unclean frogs, like frogs that came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. So this is the world now in full-fledged tribulation, okay? And they are the spirits of devils saying, uh, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world 
Imagine what a power. Last time on Wednesday night, we talked about the forces that operate in the earth. And this is a, a force that, that affects the entire earth, every nation on earth, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. And behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth, keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. May God at his blessing you may be seated tonight. Now, uh, Mitchell gave you uh, some of the basic prayer requests there, and uh, there are several others and, uh, who are not with us tonight. Uh, some folks are, are uh, en route and planning for and preparing for the men's meeting that's uh, coming up. It'll start on Friday night. If you don't mind, I'd ask you to remember that. Uh, meeting in prayer, and uh, we always look for a special time. We have a full house, uh, great ministers who are going to be there, and I believe uh, good brothers who are coming from all over the place, from Germany, from uh, Lithuania, and uh, different different uh, parts of the country, and we're just excited about uh, what God is going to do. And we're not going to have service here on Sunday, and... Um, we just have all of our key people and even some of the folks that normally would stay behind are uh, diverted on Sunday. And so I apologize for that profusely. And uh, we will uh, probably not do that again. But uh, uh, for this Sunday, we will not have service here. <clears throat> the other thing I would ask you to remember is... Um, we have our uh, trip coming up where we're going to be dedicating a new facility in uh, Malawi. And uh, there are three of us who are going from the assembly here. Uh, Jeremy Clayville and Lincoln uh, are going with me. And then we're taking two brothers from uh, Europe, Brother Sven from Norway and Brother Paulo from Portugal. Uh, they're coming over as well. They're going to meet us there. And it's a kind of a complex trip. We have a lot of uh, pieces that have to come together. And uh, it's a long trip for sure. And when we get there, there's a, a, an enormous amount that we have to get done. And we have uh, not only the dedication of the new facility, and they're working round the clock, day and night, to get that facility, the warehouse and the church finished over there. And uh, they have ministers coming from about five different countries who are coming together, want to have ministers meetings through the day and then services in the evening. And so it's going to be a really, really full time. And I'd ask you, if you don't mind, just to remember uh, that those meetings upcoming, and not just in a casual way, but we have specific things, goals that we're trying to reach there. The Lord's laid on my heart, and uh, we, we really uh, want to travel wisely and uh, prepare and make sure we get all of our um, proverbial or spiritual ducks in a row. And so if you don't mind remembering that, I would sure appreciate that very much. And then hopefully, Lord willing, we're going to go be going back so that be able to take some of you young guys, more you young guys with us, and uh, uh, be able to visit uh, with the people over there because it's a, it's a very great uh, center for the message in that part of the world. So we would appreciate if you would do that for us. Now, <clears throat> the subject has been new heavens, uh, the new heavens and new earth that we're moving into, but uh, we're leaving this earth. And uh, the way that Enoch left was he walked a certain way, and then God took him for he was not. Now, in the, uh, in the end time here, uh, we never really uh, could imagine that uh, for a lot of people that we'd still be here, 2022. A lot of people, we never thought we'd cross uh, 2,000. Uh, there was, uh, matter of fact, there was, there was several 
uh, scholarly books, of, I'm told, I've, never, I've not read any of them, but there were several scholarly books that were written prior to 2000 because there was a lot of people, uh, both in Jewish circles and in evangelical circles, that thought that 2000 would be the end of things and Armageddon would take place. Uh, there was all kinds of theories about the year 2000 and Y2K. We know and we blew past all of them. And uh, there was a, a, a lot of conjecture about that particular time. Well, it didn't happen. And uh, we find ourselves now uh, 22 years down past that mark. And we really don't know how long. All of a sudden, we find that Russia is very much in the center, uh, in the center of our uh, s- scope, if you like, center of, of the uh, stage. And Ukraine has a big part uh, in that. And, of course, that draws Europe in and that draws the Americans in. And so uh, there's a, a lot geopolitically that's happening in the world. And it's, it's quite an interesting uh, series of events and a, and a great juggling that's going on. Uh, Grace, there's a, a young lady sitting next to you there. I didn't. Oh, it's Madeline. Madeline, good to have you back. And uh, it, it's, a, uh, it's an important time, obviously, for us, because uh, for the people of the world, you know, all of these things are coming, uh, coming, uh, coming into, into place, if you like, uh, nations coming into place, religious systems coming into place, all of that. And even though they may not have the big pictures, many, many people understand that something's happening. For the bride, we understand differently how things are happening, and we have a place in that world to come. So God positions us to leave this world a certain way, like Enoch did, which is apart from the rest of the world. Remember in the days of Noah, there was an ark being built, and there was a, all of a sudden a new conversation about rain, a natural phenomenon. That had nothing to do with Enoch, really, right? Because Enoch was not going to get in the ark, neither was he going to be pelted by rain, Right? So there was all kinds of things that were happening physically or naturally in, in the world that had nothing to do with Enoch in that time. So in the same way, I kind of thought, well, you know what? There's all kinds of things that are being talked about in our world that really have nothing to do with us because we're not going to be here in the tribulation. And there's a lot of things that are going to be uh, happening in the tribulation that are being prepared for now. Like the financial collapse, right? The financial systems of the world. And let me tell you, there are people in our governments who have their fingers on the, on the remotes trying to, you know, raise rates, lower rates, move needles this way and that way, and watching very, very carefully at, at fractions of decimal points to see which way things are going because they're trying to balance an economy that's really out of whack. It's really out of whack. And so you have, uh, all of a sudden, you have, you know, uh, natural gas prices and you have oil prices and you have all these other things that are going on, factors that nobody really worked into the equation. And we have the, the post-COVID uh, dilemma and all the money that was borrowed and all the other things that are going on. Let me tell you, there are some very smart people <clears throat> who have their fingers on very sensitive triggers to try to balance things out. And that's a tough job to do. Uh, there are, uh, we have some smart people here who understand banking and finance and international finance. And, uh, I've been chatting a little bit with some of them and, uh, their, their out view is not, uh, hey, spin, spin, buy, buy. It's more being conservative about things because we're moving into a period of uncertainty. And uncertainty makes people who operate financial worlds a little bit nervous. And it should therefore make us a little bit nervous too. Now, why are you saying that? Well, we're going we're gonna to blend this now as we move ahead. Brother Branham in The Prisoner, 1963, he says, 
Uh, we ask you, Lord, in your, to give us your word tonight and speak to us and warm our hearts strangely. I remember Sister Greg uh, used to sit there, and every time I'd ever mentioned this quote, she'd always comment to me about it because she said that's exactly what we need to have is the discipline uh, so that we would know the, the, uh, the great things that lay ahead, but be ready for the great things that lay ahead as we believe we're nearing the coming of the Lord. And so this is a very, uh, very critical thing. And, and God's a revealer. He wants to let you know. He wants you to be in place. And he wants you to see and understand. So follow me now tonight as we look at this. And I, I, in my view, this won't, this won't be very long. But let's just see how far we can get. The light that God has given to us is very powerful because it shines in a world that's covered in darkness. Gross darkness, as a matter of fact. But the light he's given to us uh, is a very powerful thing. And... Brother Branham said that how did these, how did these clergymen fail to see, uh, Jesus in his day? And how did those, uh, Pharisees and Sadducees fail to see it? They had, they had great, uh, intellectual learning. And he said, how did they fail to see it, brethren? It's been prophesied that they would do it. And he's not asking the question really to try to figure out how they missed it. He's asking the question to try to figure out how do people today miss it? Right? He's, he's in 1964, and like I told you before, when, when the sun, uh, when the calendar flipped in 1964, Brother Branham kind of pulled out all the stops and said, hey, we have got the opening of the seals, we have got Christ on the scene, and we need to make sure that the whole world knows and understands what this is all about. And so he still talks very clearly. And so is it today. He said, gross darkness is coming upon the people, and here we are. And God has lauded his word to be manifested in this day. And it's the only light we have. So don't look for another. Right? It's the, it's the only light we have. And God is going to let somebody manifest that word. Somebody's going to do it. He has never changed his pattern of work. So now remember now, when it comes to a phrase like this, and I love this, I love the way he says it, all seeds manifest themselves, but all expressions of seeds are different. Right? I mean, you won't even, you can grow a crop of watermelons and they'll all be kind of different. You go down, uh, down, down our road on the way to church every, uh, every fall, I remark at the number of fields that grow pumpkins. Many of those seeds look identical, but you got big ones, you got flat ones, you got lumpy ones, you got ones that look like they have tumors, you got all kinds of, uh, you know, weird shapes and the, and the pumpkins there. Uh, all seeds manifest themselves, but they all have different expressions. So in other words, uh, if you're a seed of God, uh, you will express yourself in this hour, but it might be in a different way. Some people might have a ministry of evangelism, and some people might have a ministry of teaching. Some people are anointed to do mission work and so forth. You, you have uh, an anointing upon you, and you have a purpose in life. Everyone's purpose is a little bit different, but you know what? It doesn't matter that it's different. It just matters that the origin of the seed is of God. Where the seed comes from, it's God. So when God shines the light in this world, even if there's gross darkness, it's the only light we have. There's something about the elected that they're ordained to catch that light and to walk in it. And they recognize it. They see it and they walk in it and they, they, they are thankful for it. And how shall then, Romans 10, how shall then uh, they call on, call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Here's Paul setting in order in the New Testament now a new kind of ministry. This is not rabbis of the Old Testament. Remember, if you're a rabbi, you're a rabbi. But in the New Testament now we have prophets, we have teachers, we have evangelists, right? We have different types of ministries. And Paul is uh, explaining this here, and he says, How shall they preach except they be sent? 
Let's look at that word sent here. It means to order someone to a, an appointed place. It means that uh, they, would, they would be uh, sent and appointed to do a specific thing. That's what it means when Paul said, how can, they, uh, how can they preach except they be sent? So when God sends somebody out, he sends them out specifically to do something for a particular group of people. I believe that God sent me here. You know that? Because you needed me. Whether you knew it or not, you needed me. I always remember, I think I've said it before, I always remember Brother Lonnie Jenkins, who was, uh, we traveled together in the Russian countries, and uh, Brother Lonnie did an exceptional thing, I think a supernatural thing in all the Russian-speaking countries. And after he was, after many years of traveling through the country, he said, uh, and, and let me say this, his reputation was built on traveling all over the world. His ministry was built on traveling all over the world. He visited many, many countries, many more than I ever have. He ministered to people all over the place. And he was single. Uh, he was not a pastor. And so therefore he was freer to travel and go longer and uh, had all kinds of experiences uh, that, uh, that most people never hear about. I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one. Since it's Wednesday night, I'll tell you one. And, you, you know, a lot of times you think, well, these ministers travel in the gilded cage and, uh, you know, it must be romantic and glamorous to travel around the world. One time, Brother, uh, Brother uh, Lonnie Jenkins and my father-in-law, Brother Fulcher, went to Pakistan. And they went there to preach for a man named Noble Gill, who's no longer serving the Lord. Uh, but uh, this was years ago, and he had done a lot of work, actually, in bringing lots of people uh, to an awareness of the message back in that day. And, of course, all of that was prep- in preparation to getting Brother Anwar there. But uh, when Brother Lonnie and Brother Fulcher went to Pakistan, uh, they were traveling through rural villages to minister to little churches out in the country. And uh, the country back then was so poor, it's not really much better, but it was so poor back then that uh, Brother Noble Gill was given money to buy himself a jeep to travel around back countries and back villages. But in order to make enough money to feed his family, he sold one of his axles. So he had a four-wheel drive jeep. He sold the transmission, half the transmission and made some money, but now he was a two-wheel drive jeep. They got out one evening after service, and they were driving back to the main road across a field. And because it had rained, the, uh, the, the jeep got stuck in the mud, and they sunk down to the floorboards in the mud. Because it was dark, there was nobody going to come and rescue them. They were going to get an army tank uh, next day to hook a cable and take them out of the field and out of the mud, uh, which is what you do in that part of the country. But they said, Noble Gill said, well, we've got to stay here. We, if, we, if we leave the vehicle, somebody's going to steal it, believe it or not. So we've got to stay here. So Brother Lonnie and Brother uh, Fulcher uh, were, were stretched out. One of them, there was enough room for one of them to stretch out on the back seat. And the other one stretched out on a blanket on the mud. And about every half hour or so, because the mosquitoes were eating them alive, they would switch and wake up the other one and rotate. And in 30 minutes, they go back like that. In 30 minutes, they go like that. Brother Noble Gill had the front seat. And so they'd switch back and forth like this all night long in order to survive the night and not be eaten alive with mosquitoes. And uh, got the next day, got an army tank to pull them out of the mud. So Brother Lonnie did all kinds of traveling, had all kinds of stories like that uh, in his ministry. But he told me, 
he said, I believe God prepared me with all of those experiences for Russia. He said all of that training was for one thing. Because I believe that he, he was sent there to do a specific work. And I watched him. Take the, he'd take the go into an area, take the Bible, go from all the way from uh, Genesis all the way to Revelation. And he would take lots of time on the book of Revelation and uh, teach that to the people there. It was just amazing uh, how he did that. But he felt like that he was appointed to do that. And truly, nobody else did anything like that in that part of the world. So, therefore... He says, Paul writes, how shall they preach except they be sent or appointed to do something? That's why I said all of that. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now this is not Jewish, right? But these are all people in churches who've come out of either the Jewish faith or have come out of the world because there was no Christian churches to come out of. There was no Baptist churches, right? There was no Catholic churches. There was nothing else to come out of. So Paul is saying that God has a channel through which the people appropriate faith. And faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the end of the world. So that's the vehicle that God chose to use to bring faith. So here's Brother Branham now, 2,000 years later, and he says, Lord Jesus, we're coming again tonight to give thanks to you for all that you've given to us, and may men and women catch the vision and understand what God's program is for this last day. And I want you to understand what the vision is for the last day and the program of God, because you have a different part in that program than other people in the world. You would have a different part to play than people, say, who are in a denominational church. Or you'd have a different part to play than somebody who's in a, a Jewish synagogue or whatever else. You have a, they have a part to play, and you have a part to play. And the way you, the way you fulfill your part is to catch the vision that God, sh- you, you step into that light that God shines. And there is no other light. And catch what God has for that day. He said that's all we need to do is just get into his program. Then other things will take care of themselves. How God fulfills things, that's up to him. He says, he taught us this way, seek first the kingdom. So let's come back tonight, he says, to the kingdom blessings and the kingdom program and learn of you. So uh, just just in a way of, of looking at this, Brother Branham, uh, he, he holds, he's trained, he's taught to hold to the principles of the Bible that are relative to the last day because he's appointed as a prophet for this last day. Do you believe that? There's no other prophet. There's no other vision. There's no other light. There's no other source. God has appointed him to be the fulfillment of Malachi 4 and Revelation 10. Right? You believe that, Noah? That's exactly who he is. He knows that. He's into that channel. And therefore, because he's, he's got to be faithful to that, he's got to hold to the word that relates to the end time and the program of God for the end. Malachi 4 is a part of the program. Do you believe that? Revelation chapter 4 and 5 is a part of the program, which is where, uh, you know, uh, no, man, no man's able to take the book. And finally the lamb takes the book, right? That's a part of the program the last day. Revelation, uh, Revelation 10 is a part of the program for the last day. Do you believe that? Where the mighty angel descends from heaven and, you know, there's a shout and a voice and the trump of God in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. All of that is a part of the end time program. You think about, uh, you know, Israel going back into her land. That's a part of the program, isn't it? 
Even though we're not Jews, it's a time sign for us because, remember Brother Bram said, if you want to know what time it is, look at Israel. So we're, we're, we're looking at all these different parts of the program and thank God for a program and thank God that God makes his program clear for us. Now, there's a lot of people who would think differently about God's program or they want to add something to the program or take something out and a lot of it is because of emotion. How different it is in our country, Brother Branham said. Now, what he's referring to is how people come to prayer lines in other countries. And he's talking about how their, their attitude in coming and so forth. So you can go back and read that. But he says how different it is in our country. He said, God be merciful to us. I was talking to a brother recently. It was Brother Jack Moore. He said, I believe, uh, he said to Brother Branham, I, I believe you're, you're just a little rude on that. God would not let our nation be bothered. By the end time, end time events. It'll always stand this way until Jesus comes, the land of the free and home of the brave, because of our forefathers and what they did. God bless America. And that's what Jack Moore was telling Brother Branham. I think you're a little bit rude on that, whatever that means. I think you're a little bit uh, rough. or Because, uh, hey, I'm not talking about you, but there's a lot of Americans don't like to hear this. They don't like to hear what follows. Brother Branham said, I said, Brother Moore, blessing upon your heart. Bless your heart. Bless his heart. Now you can say whatever you want to, right? Bless your heart, my brother. But God did not spare Israel. When they sin, they reap what they sowed, and we'll do the same thing. Hey, you can see grace lifting off our country. You can see uh, darkness moving in. You, you, all of those things are in motion. I don't, and again, I, I don't want, I don't want people to avoid coming Wednesday night because you know things that are said that are dark or whatever else. So just, I'm just being honest with you, because I'm, I'm just preparing you and letting you know what God's program is for the last day. Because Brother Bram says it's all you need to know. And so you, you can see it. That's why people have their fingers on the remotes trying to balance the economy. They're trying to balance workflows. They're trying to balance. Uh, you know, uh, getting enough people on airplanes and having enough pilots. I'm always thankful when there's pilots in the plane. Uh, I'm glad there's other passengers, but I'm more glad that the pilot is there. And, you know, all of the other, all the other components of our economy now, and everybody's scrambling trying to uh, make things work here. And a lot of it is because it doesn't flow like it used to. We're experiencing things we've never experienced before. And Brother Branham says, hey, we're going to reap what we sow. But there are people who are entrenched in this belief that because it's America, land of the free, home of the brave, home of the brave, land of the free, all of that, then you know God, we're exempt from judgment. We're exempt from correction. We're exempt from any kind of uh, uh, downturn at all. And that's not true. And Brother Branham holds to the word, and he says, oh, he says, no. He says, God even judged Israel. So, they asked Brother Branham the questions and answers. Would the bride have a ministry before the rapture? He says, sure, that's what's going on now. The bride of Christ. Certainly, it's the message of the hour, the bride of Christ. And she consists of apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors. He said, is that right? That's the bride of Christ. She's got a ministry, great ministry. It's the ministry of the hour, but it'll be humble. It'll be just people doing their part, playing their role, working together. I believe we've moved away from the great one-man ministry era as well. We had a season where we had great individual ministers who were well-known around the world. Uh, they were associated with Brother Branham, and they were, were what I refer to as one-man ministries. And I'm not being critical at all, but today I find 
you know, there are people, there are a lot of ministers of my age group and younger, we want to work together. Let's, let's work together and get things done. We work together with other people in the world. Or we have men's meeting. We have a team of ministers who come, six or seven ministers who are uh, speaking at our men's meeting this weekend. And it isn't just inviting one big-name person. It's all of us working together to edify the body. I'm not, and I'm not being critical. God allowed that. And I thank God for those men. I learned a lot from those men. And I'm thankful for their experiences with God and with, with a prophet in this last day. But you know what? We've turned a little corner. And I'm thankful for this humble, fivefold ministry. I sent out a quote this morning. Some of you would have, would have probably got it on the WhatsApp about how Brother Branham said it's the greatest thing you can be as a minister and, you know, different, uh, different things about preachers. And a lot of ministers wrote back to me and said, may God keep us humble and work together so that we can accomplish what uh, God's prophet prayed for. And I, it was just really nice to see the responses to that because I think that's a, mi- that's a mindset and I'm thankful for that mindset. Can I go on a little bit further? I should go on a little bit further because I get rambling. Here's Brother Branham in the Hebrew series. I'm, I'm coming to a little something more graphic, so hold, hold your place here. He said, now, there's many that rise up and will say, well, I don't need to go to church anymore. Praise God, the Holy Ghost is coming. He's my teacher. He's my instructor. And he says, when you get that idea, you're wrong. For why did the Holy Ghost set teachers in the church if he was going to be a teacher? If he was going to be the teacher, why did he set... In other words, if the Holy Ghost is going to be your personal teacher, why did he put teachers in the church as part of the ministry? Good question, isn't it? There are first fivefold ministry there. The Holy Spirit set teachers in the church so he could teach through that teacher. You can't do away with it, right? Just like you can't do away with the evangelist and you can't do away with the pastor. All of them play their part. We all don't have to be the same. We all are not the same. We all have a a different uh, anointing to accomplish certain things. And I think it's illogical and ridiculous for me to say that everybody should minister like me or say that I should minister like somebody else. I told you before, Brother Lonnie, and since we're over there, I'll just tell you this. I watched him in Russian countries preach on the book of Revelation. My goodness, he did a fantastic job. He had the old overhead slides, you know, the sheets of plastic. And he'd have a binder here, and he'd take out one and put it on there, take out another one. And my goodness, he had the book of Revelation so packaged so neatly. It was extraordinary. And I, I mean, it was just like clear as a bell. And I was making notes, and I thought, I can do that. I went to Berlani, and I said, I'd like to borrow your slides. I'd like to copy them. He said, why? I said, I want to teach that when I go back home. I want to teach that to my church. He said, no. I said, what do you mean no? He said, because God has given me that revelation. He's not given you that revelation. He's given you my understanding of things. But he said, if you try to do that and be me, he said, you're going uh, you're, you're to be in a place that you're not ordained to be. I, I said to myself, I thought you were my friend. I wanted to wow the people, you know. Well, I kept at it in my way. I kept at it and said, listen, I, I, I think I can do this. I don't need them all. Perhaps just give me the first hundred and uh, I'll, I'll take them home and, and do this because he had lots. And uh, I, I said, I, I think I can do it. Well, finally he relented and he said, okay, here you go. I went back home and I said, folks, this is going to be your finest hour. Walk with me now through the book of Revelation. And I put one on after the other. It wasn't, I never got to ten slides. And I had, I had, you know, vials being 
poured back into the jug and I had messengers, you know, I had 11 or 12 messengers and I had, I mean, it was just so confusing and I was scratching my head and I closed the service after about 45 minutes and I said, I'll get back to you on this. But I was trying to be him. And you know what? I'm not him. It's illogical. And you learn that when you're young and foolish. And you learn things like that. But the Holy Spirit sets teachers in the church so he can teach through that, through that teacher. Now, and, and here's Brother Branham, and he's making this very clear. that the, the, I believe that we're here today, he says, showing to them that the end is nigh, appearing among the people, show them that the end is near. And that soon he's coming to catch away a church. And the ministry of his ministers are shaping right into his own ministry that he had on the earth, which is, I do that which only pleases the Father. Right? That was his ministry on earth, wasn't it? I do that which only pleases the Father. What else was he characterized by? When they asked him, they said, teach us to pray. He said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus operated on kingdom rules, by kingdom rules, because the kingdom is more important than the earth that we're standing on. And the ministry of his ministers is shaping right into his own ministry that he had on the earth to catch away the entire church. And he said, that's what we're doing. So, believe it or not, the ministry that comes to the bride in the last day, and God is jealous about who speaks to his bride. He wants that bride to be feeding on the right thing, to be shaped a certain way, and to take the pure and adulterated word like John describes here in Revelation chapter 10, to take the book, eat the book, not a different book, but the same book, take it, eat it, and prophesy again. So the ministry is not done when Brother Branham goes off the earth. There's a work for us to do. In order for us to be effective and blessed by God, we have got to take the right thing to the nations. We've got to take the right thing to the world. And part of that is your life because you're one who's been feeding on the word of the hour. And so <clears throat> Brother Branham says, the best thing you can do, and I love this quotation, he says, uh, we have men today that go through the land, not only evangelists who pray for the sick, but all around. And we have people in our churches who impersonate each other and say, now because she did it, I will too. Because he did it, I will too. Just like I said, that's hypocrisy. You are what you are by the grace of God. Now, Brother Branham knows this because he had Tommy Osborne sitting on the, alt- on the platform, remember? And he said, he said in his own mind, he said, if Brother Branham can do that, I can do that. And just be yourself. God will love you better. And the people will love you better too if you'll just be yourself. Be honest and sincere in what you do and God will bless your efforts. Just be yourself. God will love you better and people will love you better too. It's nice when people love you. It doesn't always happen. But now he says in 1962, he says, now let me make a prediction. I predict that in the next few years, he said, all organized religions will be forced to take a stand. Now, last the two Wednesdays ago, Brother Tim preached last Wednesday, but two, two Wednesdays ago, we talked about this force and how uh, forces existed in the earth. There's forces like of gravity. There's peer pressure, which is a force. If you don't believe that's a force, you better believe that's a force. There are forces that operate invisibly in our world, which we refer to as spiritual forces. And they are ones, for instance, in one example, all denominations are being forced into this one system called the World Council of Churches, which is really just a platform for or a conduit to the Antichrist. It's all it's going to be. It's going to be a channel for that. Because in the end, the World Council of Churches is not going to rule. It's going to be the Antichrist that rules, right? 
Are we okay? And all of them, in order to get there, have to go through this channel to be a part of that. I think most of them actually are. Brother Man said they're all brothers with the mother, the Catholic of Rome. And he says, the Bible says that they will be bound and bundled first, which is in, as we said in Matthew chapter 13. This is, the, this is the making of an image to the beast, and there's forces that make that happen. There's a lot of people in those denominational systems, uh, you know, especially the fundamental ones, who would never in their right mind or under normal circumstances join up with Rome over anything, but they're doing it anyway. They would never do that because they know that, you know, hey, we're not Catholic and we're not under Catholic jurisdiction in any way. And we don't, we don't have to bow to that. But they do anyway. The whole system is moving that way. What is it? It's a force. Not a force you can see, but a force. Not a force politically dictated, but it's a force that's moving everyone on the, on the, on the playing surface where they need to be. It's a setup and everything is going to be in position just exactly as God's ordained it in the last day. Thank God you're not being forced to join that. I mean, it'd be a different service tonight if I try, got up here and tried to convince you that, uh, you know, hey, I, folks, I think we should just link up. We should be linked in. Uh, you know, I mean, it'd be a different service altogether. Most of you wouldn't even know what I was talking about here. That's not in our vocabulary. It's not in our discussion at all, right? I mean, it's not up for consideration. Everybody with me? So, I mean... Move on, Brother Barry, move on. And here's Brother Branham explaining this again. He says national force puts uh, nations in their place. He said national force put people in the church, council of churches. But the power of God puts people in the bride. It's not national force that does it at all. So it's not the fear of persecution. It's not new laws coming out of Washington. It's not because Russia is doing certain things. That does not... Dr- Listen... Uh, you can be you can be in the most fearful state, but that will not predestinate you to be a part of the bride. The bride is chosen. Bride's elected, right? And so what God does, and I, I remember talking to Perry Green about this, and uh, Brother Brother Green asked Brother Branham this question, and he told he shared this w- with a few of us. He said, Brother Branham, you go into these meetings, and there's all kinds of people in there who are Trinitarians. Most of them are Trinitarians. Most of them disagree with your teaching. Most of them don't have any uh, any, any uh, camaraderie with you at all, except over the supernatural. They want to see the supernatural. They want to be there when the miracles occur, but they don't believe your doctrine. They don't believe in serpent seed, for sure. They don't baptize in the name of uh, you know the Lord Jesus Christ. And and, and he said. You, you got Buddhists in there, you got uh, foreign religions, you got Mormons, you got uh, Protestants and Catholics, you got all this kind of stuff all mixed in the same place. And let me tell you, there are spiritual atmospheres that go with all of that. I've seen that before, and you probably have as well. And, and Brother Green asked Brother Branham, he said, how do you do it? How do you navigate through all of those different belief systems and everything else in the auditoriums or great meetings that you have. As you got people in there who don't believe anything. you got people in there who are trying to use you for money, for financial gain. You have all of that. He says, how do you maneuver between that? He says, oh, Brother Green, it's easy. Brother Branham said, the Bible says, Jesus speaking, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And Brother Branham said, I go in and I preach Christ. And he said, the elect will always come to him. They'll always come to the tree of life. Man, that's a whole lot easier than trying to figure out what to say to not grieve everybody who's there. He just he just went at it and preached Christ and lifted Christ up. And so you don't find Brother Branham being uh, critical to people and trying to cut everybody out. He's just he's just preaching the word. He's just staying with the word. And you know what? The elect came to it. I did. I did. 
And I stayed. And I'm glad I stayed. So it's not national force. It's the power of God that brings the bride to its place. Your place is with Christ today. Your place is with Him in an invisible union. Your place is standing with Him, not out in the world. And, and that's, what, that's what the power of God has done. It's not the government who's legislated us that we had to believe this way or be in this church. Matter of fact, they would probably do the opposite. They'd probably try to get us out. So, Brother Branham says again, and we're going to turn a corner here. Believe me, Satan was showing Jesus the kingdoms of the world. This is Matthew chapter 4, okay? And Jesus knew he'd inherit them anyway, and he said, get thee hence, Satan. Over in Revelation, watch now, he says, the scripture says, Rejoice ye heavens and holy prophets, for the kingdom of this world has become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. So this is not written yet, but Jesus knows that the earth is going to come back to him, okay? The kingdoms of this world will come, all come back to him. And as long as they're controlled by Satan, they've got that satanic thoughts and powers, and they'll fight until Jesus comes. It's no surprise that we have the struggles and the wars that we have. No, no, no surprise that we have ungodly laws and we have, uh, you know, injustice in this world. It's, it's no, no wonder that we have wars. And, and pestilences and all the other things that we have because they're under the control of Satan. And Satan is not a peacemaker. Satan is a peace stealer. Right? Whether it's in your home, your heart, or the nation, he's a peace stealer. And there'll be a stone hewed out of the mountain someday without hands that'll break these world kingdoms into place. And there'll come a kingdom out of there. So he's describing Daniel here. And he says one day that stone which Daniel saw would come and it will crush those nations in the earth. In other words, Christ will rule during that time. So your job then is to have discerning discernment about the times that we live in. And this is what's really important. And you're going to understand that when you understand the program of God, when we know what God is actually uh, trying to accomplish in our time, what he's actually trying to do. Now, remember, back in the days of Noah, God did not try to convert everyone who was outside the ark. I mean, he sent them a message. But there came a point where, even before Noah drove the first nail, there was a point where God said, that's it. Build me an ark, Noah. It's over. I'm going to give you a, a specific amount of time, and I want you to build me an ark. Because he said, the hearts of men are evil continually. So even before Noah built the first, hewed the first timber. Even before he got on the phone to Ethan and said, I need some logs. God, in God's mind, I can't deal anymore with this generation. i got to wipe it off. So, Noah, you, you preach. I want you to preach and give them warning. And then judgment will follow because God's a righteous judge. That, that's in his character. He's a righteous judge. So, Noah, I want you to do that in fairness. Give everybody an open door to come into the ark. Build a door and let the people come into it if they want to. Make enough room for everybody and everything. And this is exactly what Noah did. Noah preached and Noah witnessed to the people that this time was coming. But for God, he knew this, this thing was over before Noah got to work. And so, in our time, we have to realize that we're living in the same kind of an hour. This is, this is not an age of evangelism, for sure. This is an, an age of God preparing the bride to leave here. Because God can't deal with Laodicea. Because he's not even in there. He's outside knocking. He's not even in there, so he can't deal with Laodicea. 
And just give me a few minutes, we'll watch. He said, Satan is still here in 1964. That's the reason all these things happen. He's still here, and all of his evil forces are still here. And that's why the earth is so filthy. That's why the scum and ridiculous things that go on, bloodshed, war, politics, sin, adultery, all kinds of filthiness goes on because Satan is the ruler of this earth and its atmosphere. So, now when Brother Branham moves into this season of teaching the book of Revelation now, and he's done the Revelation series, which is 15 sermons, out of which the church age book comes, he's using that now as a platform because now the seals come open in March 63, and he's in the book of Revelation now, and he's interpreting symbols that are there, and people are starting to ask him questions about this. And naturally, don't be hard on those people for the questions they ask, because if you were there, you would have to kind of sort through this with everybody else too. And they're asking Brother Bam the question. So he broke this question up into little components, and then he begins to explain it. And he said, would you please explain how Satan is bound a thousand years being loose for the battle of Revelation 28? In other words, what's the timeline? Now Noah, and I mentioned Sunday night, uh, we're talking in their... A little Bible study about uh, the timeline here. And Brother Branham was very concerned about this timeline and making sure we had it right. Now, when I say little Bible study, I'm not talking about junior understanding here. You, it, it's a great thing to be studying the Scripture, and I'm, I'm delighted. But here's what, here's what they're asking, Brother Branham, because they want to know, just like we want to know exactly what the program of God is. Would you please explain how Satan is bound? He said, now, that's not the battle of Armageddon. In other words, they've got this on this side here. He said, the battle of Armageddon takes place on this side when the tribulation's ended. Now, we've got to know what this side and that side is. Now, what relation does this have with the battle of Gog and Magog? He said, none. One is on this side of the thousand years, and the other one's at the end of the thousand years. We've got different battles, different events. As mentioned in the fourth seal, will Gog and Magog be gathered from peoples on the new earth? He said, Satan was loosed out of his prison, went to gather all the people that were on the earth, the wicked, to bring them to his place. Now remember, Satan in the millennium is bound by a chain of circumstance. Right? He's, he's, he's held captive. So even though there are other people on the earth, he's not allowed to anoint them and cause trouble like he did through the last 6,000 years. But now he's loosed. And he wants them to be brought into the, into the fight. But God rained fire and brimstone out of heaven, and they were consumed. He said two battles all together. In other words, two separate battles all together. Now, <clears throat> when I said to you earlier in the service here that uh, all of a sudden Russia is kind of central, Ukraine is central, uh, Slavic people are central in this, in our, in our end time and on our end time headlines. Um, it's, it's a really interesting uh, battle to watch. And I'm hoping that, well, I'm still working on trying to get Brother Costi here, but uh, translation's proving to be a little bit difficult. Lord willing, next Sunday he'll be here. But he was um, describing some of the, and, and people from Ukraine have been talking about some of the circumstances over there and moving the armies back and forth and how uh, the Russian, how they feel like the Russian army is kind of backed into a corner. Well, let me just say this very briefly, and this just, I'll, I'll just stop here for a minute and say that if, if Mr. Putin, who's the leader of Russia, is backed into a corner, that could be a very, very dangerous thing. 
Because in the eyes of Russians, if he looks like a failure, he's liable to pull out weapons that he hasn't pulled out so far. And I will tell you that uh, in the past, in history, if you go back a couple of thousand years in history, whenever Russia has appeared weak or actually been weak because they've lost battles, other nations have come in and exploited Russia and weakened them further. The Russian people don't want that. And so far, the Russian people haven't had much skin in the game in the battle in Ukraine because there's been a bunch of mercenaries, prisoners, uh, volunteers who served in the army. That hasn't worked so well. Now they've initiated a sort of draft in the country. Now, all of a sudden, there's a lot more families that have skin in the game. And if they come home in boxes instead of walking off airplanes or out of trucks, it's going to change popular opinion. So we have a kind of a delicate situation there. Another scenario would be if the U.S. steps in and says with their allies, look, we're going to stop sending military supplies and equipment and ammunition over to Ukraine. Uh, let's sit down at the bargaining table. We'll stop sending stuff over if you'll sit down at the table and we'll work out some sort of solution here and uh, reason together uh, which would uh, change the scenario altogether as well. The third thing is that if this is the case, Ezekiel chapter 38, where God says, hey, it's time to bring the battle of Armageddon now into the focus, and I'm going to take Gog and Magog, and I'm going to put a hook in their jaw and drag them down to my people in Israel, and there I'm going to destroy you. No amount of negotiation is going to change that. No amount of UN speeches is going to change that. No amount of money is going to change that. No amount of changing face is going to change that. And we're living at a point where this could possibly be, and I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying this to me is a scripture that has yet to be fulfilled. And I'm wondering, is this the time when it's actually going to come to pass? Because we have to come to Armageddon. All right? Before, before everything winds up, we have to come to Armageddon. By God's grace, I think I can prove to you very clearly that the Battle of Armageddon is not something the bride will be here for. We'll be gone. And everybody. <clears throat> but it'll happen when we, after we leave. But it'll happen before the millennium. Here's Brother Branham. Church age ending and is blacked out. The bride's called. Have we already entered into the tribulation period? Again, here's somebody asking Brother Branham, you know, during the seals, uh, have we got this right? Are we, are we seeing the order right? Brother Branham says, no, no, no. I wish I could have more time. And then he gives the order. The bride, number one, when she's taken from the church, the church age ceases. So it is a darkening and a light that shines brighter at the same time, which is the book of Zechariah. Then he said, Laodicea goes into chaos. You're witnessing that. Then the bride goes to glory. Hasn't happened yet because your carcass is still here. And then the tribulation period sets in upon the sleeping virgin for three and a half years. Well, God turns to Israel. Revelation 11, right? Everybody following? Two prophets. Then tribulation sets in upon Israel because it's, the covenant's broken. And then comes the battle of Armageddon, which destroys all things. So right in that three-and-a-half-year period, right at the end of that, that's when Armageddon takes place. So we'll be gone, right? Because the bride will be in glory. Then the bride returns with the groom for a thousand years. So after Armageddon, right after it, we return... Uh, for the millennial reign. After that comes white throne judgment. And after that comes new heavens and new earth. New city coming down from God out of heaven. And eternity and time blend together. So we're still governed by time during the millennium. Because that's a thousand years. 
and the bride and, and Christ will enjoy a peaceful reign for a thousand years. At the end of it, Satan is, is let loose and he ascends to involve the people that are on the earth during that time, not the bride. And then rain, fires rain down from heaven and God destroys them all. So, <clears throat> there's things that are said about Armageddon that I will be honest with you, I don't fully understand. And I'm not ashamed to admit that. There's only a dozen statements, I think, in all of Brother Random's sermons about Armageddon directly. The Hebrew scholars are in the dark. You won't find any resource there. There's lots of Protestants who have all kinds of ideas, but a lot of them are pretty far-fetched. We do know this, that God will lead the nations of the earth there. How he's going to do it is unusual. Watch this. And this is Zechariah chapter 2. God promises, he said, I will... Come, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, and many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day. It shall be my people, and I will dwell in the midst of thee. In other words, my people will come from all nations because they're going to be scattered. Right? Zechariah prophesies of scattering, and he says, my people will come out of all nations. So you have Russian Jews, and you have Ethiopian Jews, and you have Iranian Jews that are coming in there. And he says, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, and thou shalt know the Lord of hosts has sent me unto thee. And the Lord shall inherit Judah. In other words, God's going to possess the land that's his, that was taken away. And he says, nations are broken up. 1965 here, watch. Nations are broke up. He said, go way back in the jungles of Africa. He said, the, the, uh, the porters there, the, uh, the guides, they had to take high-powered radios so people who were hunting would hear Elvis and Pat Boone and those guys with rock and roll. And the natives stood back and looked at him. So they, had to, they went on safaris, but they had to take radios with them. He said, and, and the natives looking at him, he said, see, it's a spirit. And the spirit is not only in America. It spread itself out all over the world. The spirit of rock and roll, the spirit of Elvis and all this, the spirit of entertainment. And he said, it spread out all over the world to bring them to the Battle of Armageddon. Well, what's the one thing that connects everybody in the world, no matter what, what country you're in and what culture you are, and whether you're rich or poor or whatever else? It's the Internet, isn't it? The Internet connects everybody. Every, um, just, just about wherever you go, you have in, access to the Internet. And with the Internet comes entertainment, comes music, and comes movies and all of that. And so it's an influence all over the world. And here's Brother Bram said you can see it beginning there because they're taking radios to connect uh, out there. And he says, it's all designed to bring them to the Battle of Armageddon. I don't fully understand that. I'll be honest with you. This is what he said that happens. And he says, whatever nation they come from, Africa, India, whatever it was, he said that stuff spread all over the earth. And so, therefore, it's all going to lead. The whole world's going to be tied together in Armageddon. Graphically, let me show you kind of what it looks like. So here we are at the last of the, two, of the 2,000 years. Okay, So we're in, the, we're in our time. So watch the end of the line there in the seventh church age. I've showed you this a long time ago. You have four horse riders that come. And in the last day, these seals are all opened here. And there's an eagle anointing that strikes the church for the rapture. During that time, in the fifth seal, after, after uh, in, our, in our time, the fifth seal is a judgment seal. And there is... Uh, the Jewish people who, through the ages, God had elected, they'll all, they'll all have had their place under the altar, given white robes, and eventually they'll come in. That's where the fifth seal fits in. 
and then God begins the great tribulation under the sixth seal, it laps over into our time, spills over into our time. So that's why we're seeing nature do what it's doing. I got the pictures of, from Brother Andrew Boy Scout, and you look at the destruction there. They don't have typhoons in Alaska. And they had a typhoon in Alaska. And this tribulation cycle actually spills over into our time before the bride is gone. Tribulations and judgments that strike the earth. Seven seals are open now. All of a sudden we have the birth of the bride age. So here's Brother Branham now describing this bride age as a time when God's dealing with Enoch prior to destruction here. I'm still just adding now to that picture. As you have the rapture, which is composed of the shout and the voice of the trump of God. All of this is under the seventh seal. Go a little bit further. Three and a half years tribulation after the bride's gone. Say it, say it after me. After the bride's gone. After the bride's gone, three and a half years tribulation. And then comes the battle of Armageddon at the end of that three and a half years. The millennium's a thousand years. How many are looking forward to the millennium? You can, you could get this and, and flip on it a little bit slower if you like. On the other side of the millennium, the battle of Gog and Magog where God destroys all of those on the other side of the millennium. And then, of course, great way throne judgment. And then beyond that, eternity or new heavens and new earth that will come. Wow. Imagine <clears throat> 2,000 years, people struggle and wonder what the book of Revelation meant. And here's Brother Brandon giving us the interpretation of symbols. We can put it on the screen. It took three and a half minutes. Not bad. Three and a half minutes. The last 2,000 years, people probed and wondered what it meant. And you just got to walk through the last portion of it in a couple of minutes here. It's just amazing. And the reason we know that is because we have light. There is no other light. There's all kinds of interpretations. There's all kinds of ministries. But you know what? There's only one light that comes from God. Otherwise, God's confused, right? So here's Brother Branham said, and they come right down. The cities, the cities of the world, Russia will come down and say, we just got to have that stuff, that's uranium, the minerals and so forth, the wealth that's in the Middle East here. And he says, that's uranium and everything going down there. We've got to get it. And they go down, and then will be the Battle of Armageddon. So you can imagine now how the news will portray this. Imagine how CNN's going to interpret all this. They're not going to say, now that's the book of Revelation, that's what's supposed to happen, and this comes next. They're not going to have the, screen, the graphics there that I showed. I'm not going to give it to them. And that'll be when God will stand like he did in the valley of the children of Israel and fight again, and that'll take place under the Gentile dispensation, will be finished, but that'll take place until the Gentile dispensation will be finished. Notice what he says now. You've got to read the sentence right. But that'll take place until the Gentile dispensation be finished. And when that time is finished, she's cut off. So God will stand with his people in the valley, with the children of Israel, and fight again. But you know what? The Gentile bride dispensation is finished then. The bride is gone. And it'll be cut, mercy will be cut off for the Gentiles. And God will come back and stand for Israel again. And he'll stand in the valley. All the nations of the earth will be gathered there. I don't know how that that would happen, but all the nations of the earth will, will be gathered there. And this, this uh, cataclysmic battle. And you can read it in Revelation chapter 16. You read about, uh, you know, the destruction that takes place there. The, the ultimate fight between good and evil. And God proves in the very end who's God. 
And this, this great battle, this great conflict takes place. I mean, we, we have it connected to nuclear uh, devastation there and all the other symbols that are there and the things Brother Branham said. I'll tell you what. I will, I will gladly take my view from the banister of heaven rather, on the ground, rather than on the ground in Israel looking at it there. If you want, I'll take you to Israel, Lord willing, next November, and you can stand there on top of Mount Carmel and look out over Armageddon. You can see exactly where it is, but hopefully we won't see exactly how it unfolds. We'll have to get to heaven and look over the banister of heaven and see all of that from over there, but by God's grace we'll be in glory in a body that explosions won't harm on the other side. Let's stand to our feet. So all of this transpires now. All of this in the last day. We've got a bottleneck of all of these significant and important events that take place uh, in the last day in order to get the bride where she needs to be and then all the other players in place there. And God executes judgment and vengeance there for those that deserve it in his view. And then from there, the bride enjoys a thousand years of peace. My goodness. That's an amazing thing. Walk through the scripture for 45 minutes. Walk through the scripture and have the understanding we have. We're really a blessed people. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I love it. I love to see it come together. And I, uh, I, I love to be able to, you know, take the pieces and put them in the right place here like he taught us to do that. I think that's a great thing. That's a great, it's a great thing to study. And all of it leads to the new earth that we're going to. And you'll be in that new earth in a new body. You'll be back in the kingdom where you belong. And that's what God wants to do, is to get you to the kingdom exactly where you belong. Think about his love. Think about his goodness. Throw it in the key of F there, if you will. And let's sing together tonight. Think about his love. Think about his goodness. That's brought us about his love just think about his goodness think about his grace that's brought us
the blood of Jesus Christ. Sing it again now. We've been made. discuss it. We love to know it. it. It excites us because we know there's a program and you've revealed that program pretty clearly to us. Just like Enoch was a part of the program back in that day and Noah had his part to play in the program. All of it represented something. All of it meant something. Sometimes, Lord, it's only after the fact does it really become clear. In the meantime, we want to walk by faith. We want to be in the right place. In all of our lives, Lord, there are things that happen, situations that sometimes push us off the right path or they interrupt us or they... The circumstances that we face, Lord, sometimes are... It's really tough to try to figure out. But we know you understand that, and we know that you have a path and a way for all of us. 
May we all learn to be real sincere in listening to your voice, letting you lead us. Forgive us, Lord, of things we've done wrong. And I pray you'd make us solid in our time. Ministers, Lord, may they be cognizant of the place you've appointed them to be. Lord, may each believer be aware of his place, her place. We can do our part in this great program. Have your way, Lord, we pray. In all of it, we want to be like Enoch, who walked with God and had a testimony that he pleased God. So we thank you, Lord. I pray for your blessing on those who are sick, those who need strength, those who need encouragement. Pray, Lord, for those who are caregivers. Those, Lord, who look after other people. Pray for our families here. And, Lord, we're facing our men's meeting. And I ask, oh, God, that you'd be gracious to our brothers. And, Lord, all of our families back here. And, Lord, may we just join our hearts in prayer and asking your blessing upon everything that takes place there. Lord, may it benefit our church. May it benefit each family as represented. May we take that bucket of honey, Lord, and pour it over ourselves that when we come back, it would be something everybody else could enjoy. Have your way, we pray. And Lord, we'll give you thanks and praise and honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Lord, I want to know you more. Deep within my soul, I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you. I would give my final breath to know you in your death and resurrection. Oh, I want Sing it as you go tonight. God bless you. Lord, I want to know you more. Deep within my soul, I want to know you. Oh, give my final breath. 